All right, I'm going to put your teacher on the spot here before we start. Um, I've only taught this class once, so you guys have to help me with context, right? There's been four major elements that you've talked about, and I need you guys to give me context. What, what do those mean? So it started with um, when we're talking about changing heat. What does that mean by heat? Trials. Trials, okay. All right, so Kayla said circumstances, good and bad, right? We've talked a little bit about the blessing piece of this. There can also be temptation in blessing, right? We'll talk a little bit more about that. Should we be surprised by heat, right? Never. That's the life of a believer. We know, I think it was Romans 8, I told you that. That is the path to glorification, suffering. It's on the path. It has to be there. All right, so good. All right, you're, you're succeeding so far. Okay, heat. What came next? Thorns. What was the thorns? Um, walking in the flesh when the heat's turned on. Okay. Anyone want to expound on that? That's, yep, that's it. Sinful responses. Responses. Uh, Kayla said sinful responses. And what about what happens because of that? The consequences. Right? So the thorns are the responses and the consequences of how we respond to that heat. The heat that everyone's going to have. All right, what came next? The cross. What was the significance of the cross? Yes? Um, that because of what Christ has done on the cross, believers always have the potential to change. We can no longer say, well, I can't change or I can't grow. It's the catalyst for change. If we're going to change, it all starts at the cross, doesn't it? Absolutely. Good. All right, and now we are moving into that last segment, which is fruit. What, what do you think that signifies? Applying what you're learning from God's Word. Right, the response of that change, right, by applying the applications. But now the fruit is the evidence of what has happened in your heart, what has happened because of the cross. Okay, so that gives you context of where you, the journey you guys have been on, and here we are now with the fruit. And what you're going to see is next, the last lesson you have is really about the evidence. What does that fruit look like, but where does it start? What kind of heart do you have to have in order to see that evidence? So that's going to be the focus of today. When we watch the video, that will be the focus. What, ha what kind of heart do you actually have to have in order to see the evidence of that fruit? All right, so that's the focus. Now, we're going to watch the video, but what I want you to do is take some notes as you're watching. I want to hear from you. What did you hear from the video that just really kind of what were some of the gold nuggets that impacted you? So we're going to talk about that when we're done. The video is about 30 minutes, okay? Gabe, you have the power? All right. All right, what are some, uh, some big nuggets or, or takeaways that you, you heard um, in the video there? Yes, ma'am. And you think just because you've been a Christian for 
10 years, 20 years, 30 years that you shouldn't be struggling with the same things that you've been struggling with for 15 years, but it is a process. So that's why I really, that's why that came up. Yeah, thank you. Um, I wrote that down too. Uh, just a, a wonderful reminder of where we start, heart of stone. That, that is not malleable at all. That has to change. But what does it change to? I think sometimes we feel it changes to a perfect heart. And then we condemn ourselves when it's not perfect. It's now malleable. It's changeable. It's conforming. Right? I think that's a great reminder. Okay, what else? Bassie. Piggybacking yeah. that, I just really appreciated like, the example he gave. It, I think it was kind of humorous, but um, when he pointed out, like, uh, how do you put it? Um, you know, you don't want to be like, oh, if I thank God I'm a Christian or else you don't know what I'd be doing right now, that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, and, but he made the point, like, if that's where you're at, thank God for that. You know, yeah. thank God for that self restraint. You know, looking back at where you were, you know, what the Lord has brought you out of, that there should be. Joy in that, but recognizing that's not where I want to be still. Yeah, great point. And that's the sanctification journey, right, that, that we're all on. And if it starts with restraint from where there wasn't, that's a good place, but needs to continue to grow. Yeah, excellent. What else? Colleen, did you have your hand up? Uh, uh, Wanju. Thoughts and desire lead to our behavior. Bad thoughts and bad desire Hebrews 4, that, that, did you hear what he said? That is the central part of this whole curriculum we've been studying, right? It is the heart and the, that foundation of our thoughts and desires reside in our heart. It's foundational to everything you guys have been talking about the last several weeks. Absolutely. Hebrews 4. What else? I just wrote, um, yeah. when our world revolves around us and what we crave, then we're quick to anger. So anytime we're quick to anger, you know, when I get angry, then it's, it's that kind of trigger to say, well, you know, what, what, what is it that I desire? Mm -hmm. What is it about me that I'm focused on that I need to change? Yeah, excellent. Mia. <clears throat> Carolyn, did you have something? Uh, just to add to the Hebrews 4 part, um, that worship realignment is my goal. I love that. Yeah. That really just kind of puts a point on it. Yeah, that's a bumper sticker I had there too. Not anger management, but rather worship realignment. I thought that was excellent. Well, can, yes. I think the two points, the worship realignment and you act out of your desires are where you can actually come together mm. to make those changes. Like I can get frustrated with myself for like speaking in anger and like try real hard. Yes. But it's never going to actually be changed until I'm worshiping and realigning my desires. Amen. And so if it's still coming up, one of those is out of balance. Yeah, great, great point. Excellent. Kayla. The point about marriage was really interesting about how marriages can really struggle whenever both people are kind of going into the marriage, focusing more on themselves and their like perfect ideal. And I think really that's honestly a problem with more than just marriages, but <coughs> even friendships and relationships in general is like you're both basically using each other to try to get what you, is what you want for yourself. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you heard Kayla, she was just uh, commenting on the marriage piece where we come in with our individual thoughts and desires and how that can be a struggle and yet isn't that supposed to be a beautiful picture, right, of, of unifying of Christ and the church and it's, a, trust me, it's a lifelong sanctification process. You've heard me say it, marriage and kids are the great sanctifiers, but 
Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I would not be the man I am today if it wasn't for my marriage to uh, uh, specifically my wife, Corrine. I mean, she has just really helped mold me and shape me um, in a God-fearing way. So it's a, it's a blessing. But yeah, it has its challenges. Um, quick comment. I, I giggled a little bit when he talked about the dating. We were up at college. Corrine uh, obviously wasn't my wife at the time. Um, we were on our second date, and we went to college way up in Upper Peninsula, Michigan. Middle of winter, it's cold. We were out on a late night walk, and um, we said, boy, we need to, you hungry? Let's go eat. I think it was our second date. So we slip into a, a big boys. And here I have this beautiful woman across the table from me. I'm trying to impress her, and I order chili with onions on top of it. <laughs> So we laugh about that today. I was the real deal. To be honest with you, I was totally oblivious, though. I was just oblivious. That's not what you do on a second date, but I had to giggle with that. So, yes, excellent point. Any other comments about the video? Yes? Um, very encouraging. I found it very encouraging for everything he said to know that there is um, the real open possibility Mm. Hearts. But what I also heard, Pastor, the underlying of all of that was that all involves death. Mm. Yeah. And we talk about this, and always in it wonderful, we can change. But the real truth of the matter is it's extreme. You have to die to yourself. Yeah. And yeah. there's a lot of pain involved in the change. Yep, Colleen, excellent. A couple things that come to mind when you say that. He didn't say the word, but the necessity of regeneration, right? Our hearts have to be regenerated from that old self. We must die to self that only happens through the work of the Holy Spirit. That has to happen first. And then I like what you said. Um, it's hope. We now have a hope, not only for ourselves, but we can share with others. That's our motivation for evangelizing, for sharing the gospel, for counseling with biblical scripture. We can give people real hope. Yeah, excellent. All right, let's do this. Let's, um, we're going to kind of walk through a couple questions applying some of the scriptures that he highlighted in the video. So I'm going to ask you, um, some of you to read and, and turn to your Bibles. And we'll, you know, like Brian said earlier, let's apply this now. Let's apply what we just heard to our own lives. So uh, Mia and June, I'm going to have you guys tag team if you don't mind. Uh, Mia, if you could look up Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 6. And June, if you could look up Mark 12, Mark 12, 28 through 31. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 6, and Mark 12, 28 through 31. And let me get to Deuteronomy real quick. All right, we'll start in um, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Excellent, thank you. And then Mark. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, Seeing that he answered him well, asked, Which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, 
you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Good, thank you. Let me go back to the Deuteronomy passage, uh, verse 6. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. What do you think it means for God's commandments to be on your heart? What does that mean? And you don't have to answer, June, but you can. <laughs> Obedience. Obedience. Okay. And in obedience, um, hopefully as you walk, as you go on this journey of sanctification, that obedience becomes quicker, right? More immediate obedience to God's word. Okay, good. What else? Does it mean to have it on your heart? Allowing them to guide your thoughts. Okay. We talked earlier about the heart, right? That's where the intentions are, the, the thoughts, the desires. Ron, to your point... God's word on your heart should be, should be dictating what your thoughts are, right? What your desires are. Should be guiding those. Good. What else? How, how do we do that with Scripture? What do we need to do with Scripture so that we do have an automatic response, so that we do have those, um, are, are guided by those thoughts and, and uh, desires? Meditating, memorizing, praying. Right? We need to be in the Word. We need to be meditating on the Word. We need to be praying through the Word. Those are all ways that we put God's Word on our heart. Does that make sense? All right, good. What is the connection between the heart and obedience to God's commandments? Yeah. So Kayla said um, the whole discussion has been about our responses come out of the heart. Right? Overflow from the heart. That's the connection. It all starts at the heart. And if you're not feeding the heart with God's word, you're not going to respond the right way. You're not going to see the right fruits. Right? Good. Okay. All right. Let's go to a couple more passages. Um, could I have a... Brian, how about you for Jeremiah 31? Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. And if I could have your wife grab Ezekiel 36, 24 through 28. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke. Though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall know me. From the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will give, sorry, I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. Amen. And um, anyone know what that is? That passage right there? From a covenant perspective? It's, 
it's the new covenant, right? It's an extension of the Abrahamic covenant, the land, the seed, the blessing. This is that extension of what is going to happen, right? This is our hope, the new covenant. So good. All right, and then corresponding to that, Ezekiel 36, 24 through 28. All right, good, good. So how do you see a connection between the heart and obedience in these passages? Well, God is truly your God, the one that you're living for. Your motivation for doing things will be to please Him. Yes. Good, what else? Why don't you? Holy Spirit. Yep, the Holy Spirit within you. Absolutely. What allows you to do that, though? What is it saying in these passages? Who's doing the work here? God, right? He is giving you what? A new heart. That's what we've been talking about. That's the promise. It cannot happen until that you have a heart of stone. Right? You have to have that soft, malleable heart. What this points at is God's going to do that. Right? It's unconditional. God is going to do that. Okay, good. How do you see a connection between our hearts and our relationship with God? Connection between our hearts and our, think about that relationship that we now have with God. What do these verses or these passages emphasize? Yeah, Chris. So we're, um, we're now, we have a changed heart and we're living for Christ. We're going to be doing things to please Him. There's going to be fruit mm -hmm. of a changed life. There's going to be fruit in our life that shows true repentance. That's Matthew 3 8. You're going to see a change. Everyone's going to see the change in you as well. Mm -hmm. That you are living no longer for yourself, but you're living for Christ. Yeah. Very obvious. Yeah. And, and Brian, excellent. What, what will he not allow to happen as a new creature in Christ? Right. He'll protect you. Right. There will be persecution, that's a promise. Mm -hmm. But you will be able to stand up because of his grace. Yeah. His love and his yep. protection for you to stand up against whatever comes your way. Yeah, amen. And and he will not allow us to continue in our sin, will he? Right? He desires that pure relationship with us. He wants to see our hearts conform. In some respects, we, we can have fear about that, but we should also rejoice that he won't allow that to happen, right? What did we read in Psalm 139? Uh, you saw in the video, search me, test me. Are we courageous enough to, to pray that prayer? That's a tough one, but that's what he desires. He already knows our heart, right? We desire to have that relationship and to continue to grow um, and to be sanctified. So, good. All right, let's turn to 1 Samuel 16. 
1 Samuel 16, and, and you know the story, right? This is where uh, David was, was being anointed as king. And I will go ahead and read this. 1 Samuel 16, verses 1 through 13. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul, since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. And invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me him whom I declare to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him, trembling, and said, Do you come peaceably? And he said, Peaceably I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by. And he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the oil, the horn of oil, and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. What are some outward appearances that men that man tends to look at to determine quality. And we all do this, but what are some of those aspects? And you see it in the passage here, but anything from your life experiences. What are some of those things? I wish God would, I wish God would give me a little insight on someone else's heart. Like why they're doing things. Mm. Why they want to be in a teaching position, or why they want to lead music, or why they want to become a pastor. Uh, many, many things, but anything that you see that it normally in the Christian realm would be to bring God glory, but mm. sometimes I wonder why others are choosing to do things. Is it for, as we know, get a pat on the back? Is it just for their personal um, lifting up? Or is it truly to bring God glory? Because everything we do as believers is not supposed to be for ourselves at all. Right. 100% for God. Yeah. So I look at everybody in this room, and I know each of their hearts. Did you know that? I don't. Actually, I don't. God knows each of all of our hearts, but I wish I knew. I wish there was a, just a little bit, because it would help me as I'm talking to my brothers and sisters in Christ to exhort them 
a little bit more as they're trying to live for Christ. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. Excellent. Good. Thank you, Brian. What else? What are what are some of the things we see directly in this passage as far as how they're how they're looking at these these men that were coming before Samuel? Age. Age. Okay. Stature, height, build maybe, right? Influence. What? Where do they come from? What do they wear? We never do that today, do we? We do it all the time. And it's sometimes it's so small and just hidden back there. We all come in with biases. How about in our church today? Here at Hope Bible Church, do we do that? If you think you don't, examine yourselves. We were, I was challenged. Um, a simple thing, and, and being in the military, moving around as much as we have, we see this pattern again and again and again. What do we do in a church? Where do we sit? We, we are creatures of habit. We, we love comfort. And so we go to basically the same spot in the church every week. And we sit around the same people because they're doing the same thing. And this is not condemning anyone. This was a, uh, maybe a, a um, challenge for myself to get to know other people. But it's so easy to get into your section of the church and that's who you know. We've been trying to force ourselves, Karina and I, to sit in different sections. In fact, we have to text each other. What section are we in today? So I know where she's at, right, and the rest of the family. But it's been a challenge to the whole family. And it's been a huge blessing, right? We're fairly new. We don't know everybody in the church. And it's been a great opportunity to get to know other people in the church. Um, so just something to think about. We, we do it even in our church lives. And it's so small and it, it seeps in so quickly, Okay. That's not what the Lord looks at. He looks at the heart. He's always looking at the heart. Can we discern, like you said, Brian, can we discern another person's heart? We can't, so we have to be very careful. I recently heard a very wise man say, the word is sufficient, but we are not. We need wisdom. We need discernment. Something to think about. What are some qualities of the heart that God would deem desirable? I'll give you a hint, Galatians 5, right? The fruit of the Spirit. It's a nice list of, of things we should be desiring, we should be growing in, we should be sanctified in. And challenge one another, especially you spouses, challenge one another to be growing in the fruit of the Spirit, right? That's how we please the Lord. That should be that soft heart that's being shaped and being conformed into the image of Christ. You want evidence of that fruit, you'll see it if you are displaying and you continue to display the fruit of the Spirit. Does that make sense? Okay. All right, let me grab one more question because we're getting close on time. Yeah, I want to go to, uh, let's go to Psalm 139. The hard passage. And I want to really get your thoughts on, on this, guys. So I, I need you to be vulnerable here. Psalm 139, I'm in, the whole psalm is excellent. So your homework for tonight or today is to go back and read that psalm. It's a precious, precious psalm talking about, you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderful made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance. 
In your book, this is amazing, were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. The good works that he has prepared for all of us each and every day were written down before we were even conceived. That's just marvelous. The focus of our passage, though, is in verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. That's the ESV version. You, you heard it in the video, right? Test me. Boy, do we pray that? That's a tough prayer. Show me any grievous way. We can get blinded so quickly. So let me ask you, how do you imagine God searching and testing someone's heart? What, what could that look like? Go back to concept number one. What was the first thing you guys talked about in your lesson of the four elements? Were you going to say something? Go ahead. The heat. Exactly, the heat. God uses the heat to test us, to purify us, to show us our grievous ways. And then how do we respond to that, right? It's all connected back to the heart in a changed heart. Good. Anyone want to? Brian, go ahead. Yeah, so as we're um, learning more about Christ and we're learning about um, different passages and, and things that we can apply to our lives, God will give you an opportunity to apply it, to see what you've learned. Yes. To your point, Brian, God will not us, allow us to, to stay in that sinful state, right? He is going to test us. He already knows our hearts. That's precious. We need to be rejoicing that we have an intimate God, a personal God, a loving God that ensures that we are not forsaken, yeah, that he will never leave us or forsake us. Yeah. He wants us to change. Yeah. He wants us to bring him glory. Yep. He wants us to be beneficial for the whole body of Christ. That's right. So he, he wants us to yeah. apply what he's teaching us. Yep, good. Any other comments? Very difficult passage, a wonderful passage, but I would love to hear Pastor Gabe. So I was thinking about this during the video when you were talking about this passage. Um, I think what it helped me to realize is as we think about the circumstances the Lord puts us in to reveal our heart, if you know your Bible well, you've heard this verse before, right? This is not a, an obscure text. Uh, and so we can have that mentality, we can have that prayer, humble disposition, at least we express it. Uh, and yet, when the circumstances come and we face some kind of trouble or difficulty, which by that I mean something isn't smooth sailing, it, there's, there's something off where it's hard, it's, it's difficult. There's something either in, inside of us or outside of us that's like, ooh, that's uncomfortable, that's, that's difficult. Our tendency, my tendency, is to say, whose problem is this? <laughs> <laughs> What's the problem out there? <laughs> when a, a real disposition like this says, what is it in my heart that makes this so difficult? Why am I having a hard time with this? We know we're supposed to rejoice in all things. We know we're supposed to be thankful in all things. We know we're supposed to trust the Lord in all things. Well, why am I having a hard time doing that right now? So that, that's what's good. Yeah, thank you. 
Thank I you. I just want to add too, when we get to those, you know, those situations, and then God reveals to us to look inward, right at our own heart, that we we, we should rejoice at that. Yes. That God allows us to see that before that change to take place. Amen. I, I love the passage in Philippians, right, that, that says to rejoice always. And when we're praying with thanksgiving, even for those hard times, why? That the peace of God that surpasses understanding may guard our hearts and minds. Even in those troubled times, is that not a beautiful place to be in the peace of God? Love it. All right, I'm going to wrap up. Bassie, can I ask you to pray for us as we wrap up, please?